Hello? All right, good morning, everyone. Good to see your bright, shining faces this morning. My wife actually has a, an actual shining face. She uh, FaceTimed us yesterday after a, after a facial, and there was gleaming light coming off of her forehead. And we, was, I, didn't, I didn't know facials did that, but her and her sister Shelby were shining like Moses. So I know they're having a good time. They'll be back today. So I've had the kiddos since Friday. It's been good. Um, that was a low-key prayer request. No. Um, so today we're going to be in James chapter 1 still. Uh, we're going to be going through verses 12 through 18. And we're going to be looking at or talking about a love test. A love test that we are all actually already in. You're actually already being, being tested. There's already um, this, this uh, trial going on in our lives and it comes in different, different manners. Uh, to find out who is it or what is it that we really love, right? So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to read through this real quick. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning, Lord. I thank you for my brothers and for my sisters here before me. I thank you for the opportunity just to be here, to worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth, with one heart, one mind, one spirit that you've given, Lord Jesus. So I pray, Father, as I speak, that you would just... Lord, let the flesh fail, Lord. Move me out of the way, and Holy Spirit, just have your way. Speak what needs to be spoken, Father. And I pray our hearts and our minds would be open and receptive to your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So starting in verse 12, James writes, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Amen. All right, so we've, uh, we've actually already begun talking about trials, about temptations earlier in James. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into these various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith is producing something. Being tested, going through these struggles, God's actually using them to produce a patience. And as we learn to wait on the Lord, learn to acknowledge the Lord, Pastor Mark read Proverbs 3 um, Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And through that process, he will start to guide, to shepherd your paths, right? And so there's this, this um, patience being built in us in which we learn to trust God. And his purpose in that is by trusting him and not putting confidence in the flesh that he's going to complete us. 
and that there are these areas in your life that are lacking, that are empty, that are broken, broken, that are unmended, that he's going to fix, right? And he even says, man, when you're going through, when we're going through these trials, when we're going through these processes, sometimes you get to the point where we don't know what to do. We don't know how to endure the trial. We don't know how to get to the other side of the temptation. And so he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, contextually, he's still talking about trials. If you lack the wisdom to know what to do, simply ask God. And anyone who asks God for wisdom, God gives them the wisdom liberally and without reproach. But ask in faith, believing. Because anyone who does not believe is like a wave you know, tossed to and fro. He's double-minded, unstable. And so we talked about having a, a stable faith. But the, the beautiful thing about the wisdom that God gives and about how liberally he gives it is that each one of these trials that we go through, God is producing something not just for the moment. He doesn't say, okay, well, here's the wisdom from now and, you know, you're gonna be completely as in the dark tomorrow. But with this wisdom, he gives us more than we need. He gives us more for the season. He gives you the answer and, and the way, the path to the struggle now, and he teaches you to identify these things so that you're able to overcome the same situation in the future. You're able to see it a little bit before it gets to you next time. Well, James here is continuing that conversation, okay? Starting again in verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Now, I want to I wanna pause on that word temptation. Um, <laughs> I used to, it, it's very easy to have kind of a different view of a trial and a temptation. You know, that they, or at least for me it was, I kind of viewed those as, as two different things. Well, the Greek word that we translate to get this word, it's the same word. Trial, temptation, it's the same thing. And if we, were to, if we were to just strip it of any spiritual understanding for a second, if we were just, let's say we were a, a, a Greek, we were a Roman, uh, actually, and we weren't Christians, and when we heard this word, trial or temptation, what it would, ha- what it would have, it would have this, this meaning of it's a test for proving. It's a test for proving, right? Or it can mean a, a test of, um, let's see, how do I say this? A test to show your true character. It could be a moral test, right? See, what kind of man are you really, right? It's like when a, a, a store owner or, or a homeowner have someone come in and cleaning, they just leave, they leave some money over on the counter on purpose, and they leave the house. And they're seeing, is this... <laughs> When this cleaner leaves and I show back up, will the money still be there or will it be gone? It's, a, it's to see what kind of character, what kind of morals does this person really have because they could be the nicest person in the world. They could have all, say all the right things, do all the right things, but in their heart, if their heart's not right and they see that money, they might just take it. And so there's a moral or a physical test implied in this word for trial and temptation. However, in a spiritual sense, There's also the connotation here of this word that this trial or this test, it's an opportunity, it's a temptation to be pulled away, to be pulled away from our faithfulness 
and holiness to the Lord. Okay? And so it's both. It's a physical, emotional, moral challenge, but it comes with the implication of our heart being pulled away from our faithfulness to God. But here he says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So there's a blessing that God is is giving to us, not in being tempted, but giving the opportunity in enduring There's a blessing in enduring. There's a a blessing in showing ourselves genuine, sometimes just for our own heart's sake, to know, man, like, no, I went through that and the Lord was with me and I've been delivered and I didn't fall back into that. I'm not living the way I was living. I'm not thinking the way I used to think. And there's a boldness that comes, there's a reward just in that and being able to see the true depth of faith. But also, as we endure temptations and trials, God says we're being approved. We're showing ourselves to be approved and genuine in that. And the outcome of approval is a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to who? To those who love him. To those who love him. And so we're going to be talking about trials and temptations, if you haven't caught on to that yet, again today. And really the ultimate thing that we're talking about, the the question at hand, is everything that we're going to be talking about, all these, these struggles we go through, it's a love test. Jesus has a crown of life that he's promised to those who love him. And throughout this very short, very temporary life, Satan comes and puts all these situations in front of us. He puts all these little bundles of money on the dresser, if you'll refer back to my analogy there, to see what do we really love? Who do we really love? Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now here's the thing. This is is kind of an interesting uh, passage. Because on one hand, we might say God absolutely allows people to go through physical trials. Yet here, if temptation and trial is the same word, how is it that we say that God tempts, or, uh, tempts no one? And so I think, um, I think there's a place where, as we understand the word here, where what's really being said is, let no one say when he feels himself being drawn away from the faithfulness and genuineness to God in a temptation, that he's being drawn away by God. For God cannot be tempted or drawn away, or tested by evil, and nor does he draw anyone away. But each one is drawn when he is, and it uses the language more particularly here, drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when that desire conceives, sin and death come forth. 
And here's the thing, uh, another word I want to point out, enticed. Enticed. What does enticed mean to you? What do you think about that word enticed? To draw us in, right? Yeah. Um, so the idea here is like, anybody fish? Anybody fish in here? Nobody? No fishers? Wow. Okay, well, okay, now hands are going. No, there's some fishers in here. Okay, okay. I don't fish. I just, not that I don't want to fish, or I just, I just don't fish. But I've seen the tackle boxes, all right? No, not taco boxes. Tackle boxes, right? And so the, they have lures. And what's a lure? It's, it's something that's disguised. It's a hook is what it is. It's a, right, it's a hook. It's one purpose is to catch that fish, to pull them up out of the water, and to kill them. That's it. That's the purpose. But if we just stuck a, 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 a hook in the water, how many fish are going to bite that? Not a whole lot. So you know what they do? They disguise it. They make it look like a worm. They make it look like another fish. They make it look like a little bug. Or some people use gummy bears, which, hey, if I was a fish, I'd probably eat a gummy bear too. Um, and so what, what the fisherman does is he takes something very enticing, something that seems very good, that seems very something that, oh, I need that. It'll sustain me. It'll bless me. And he puts it out there on a little hook or on a little line, and they don't see that there's a hook in it. Because while it may be good, if it was a worm, or maybe we use real worms, right? And that is good. It really is good. But it's not, well, for fish, for fish, not for me. It really is good for the fish. But there's another aspect of who is this, quote unquote, blessing being offered by? Because if there was a worm just sinking down in the water that was offered by the Lord, yeah, for sure that would be good. But a fisherman is no fish's friend. And when an enemy puts that worm in the water, there you can guarantee there is a hook attached. And that is the implication of that word enticing. It's a delusion. It's a delusion. It's something to draw you in so that you'll be captured. And the Bible doesn't say here, notice, it does not say, but each one is tempted when Satan makes him do something wrong that he didn't really want to do. No, it says that each one is tempted, is drawn away by his own desires. His own not someone else's desires, not a desire that was forced on him by a desire that was already in their heart, that was already native to the flesh. And we think, well, it's a native desire, it must be good, but no. There is a way that seems right to a man, the scripture says, but the end of it is death. And that's what James is talking about here. That if we trust our own desires, if we allow anything, rather it looks good or not, to suddenly move our view and our focus off of the holy, perfect God, you know the only thing that's waiting in that good thing? A hook. Where Satan will reel you in, and the end of it is death. That is what the wages of sin hold for us. And I, I talk to a lot of people, and they're like, well, you know, I'm a good person. I don't do this, and I don't do this, and I don't do this, and so I'm not really sinning. And it's like, man, y'all, of course, everybody here has heard this, but the word sin, it means missing the mark. Like, if you're not doing what's right and perfect in the eyes of God in a certain moment, it's sin. 
If you know to do good and you don't do it, the Bible says it's sin. Sin is not just, oh, you know, I did something super horrible. It's just being outside of the will of God. And that always breeds corruption. It breeds, breeds negativity. It breeds, you know, pain. It breeds anxiety and depression and all of these things. You know, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they died. They didn't fall over dead. No, 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 no. But they experienced death and their blessing and their relationship to God. They experienced death in their perfect relationship to one another. They experienced death in their perfect relationship to the world. Suddenly they had to work. And, and if you've ever had a baby, women, you understand that there was a curse where God said, you will give labor in pain. Right? That, all of that separation from us and God's perfect blessing, every one of those things is experiencing the death that is, brings, that is brought forth by sin, by being enticed. And so there is this deception, this delusion that Satan offers us so that we will go astray. And just another note, again, it's not the desire itself isn't necessarily even the enemy. It's, it's me. God says, hey, if I, if I went astray after that, that was your desire. Satan might have given you the opportunity. You know, he's a pretty good salesman. He might, you know, shine it up a little bit hit the sunlight, you know, make it sparkle. But he didn't make you chase it. That desire was yours. And so we're held accountable for that. And we might even think, oh, you know, the old devil, he's such a bad guy. He's just always trying to bring me down. He's always trying to add to me. I want to I wanna share something with you. You're not that important to the devil. The devil's agenda is not pick on poor DJ or Mark or Tommy or David. The, the devil's agenda is I want to steal glory from God. And I want to take the very object of his affection and I want to use them to spit in his face because that's how I'm going to get back at him. So even our temptations that are drawing away, it's not even about us. It's Satan trying to use us to offend the one who paid for us the one who's supposed to be our true love. And that is so important to grasp. Seriously, hear me out. Because if, if rather or not you go the wrong way or this way or that way, it's just like, oh, I kind of messed up and you know, it's gonna be kind of bumpy and I'll just get on, back on track. It's pretty easy to justify that in some cases. But if you have any true love for, for the Lord who gave his own blood for you, I am much less willing I am much less willing to blaspheme the Father's name than to allow my name to be blasphemed. And there's a simple perspective shift that when we understand all of these trials, all of these temptations, it's not, it's not just about us being pulled away and what might happen to me. It's a love test. Satan is saying, oh, you think they love you so much? Let's see, do they love you more than this new car? Do they love you more than this career advancement that's going to take away their worship time, their family time? Do they love you more than this beautiful girl or this beautiful man? Because I bet you if I put them in their life, you won't see much love for them for a while. All of these struggles and trials, it's a love test. What do we really love? What do we really pursue in our heart? And again, that word, that enticement with that hook in it, the, one of the, the literal definitions of that word is a delusion. 
And so in verse 16, James gives us an answer, though. He says, look, this is happening. You need to be aware that Satan is trying to very actively deceive you. This is not a passive thing. He is engaging you with false promises. And so he says in verse 16, do not be deceived. Take a second to look through the little fishy lure, right? Where is that quote-unquote blessing coming from? That's the question. Where is this blessing coming from? And so James goes on to say, because in verse 17, every good and every perfect gift comes from above. Now, that doesn't work very well in the lure example because that's exactly where those hooks come from, from above the water. Anyways, okay, not all my analogies are perfect. But every good and every perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Now, that description of who God is, that there's no variation or shadow of turning in him, you know what that means? That means as good as he was yesterday, he's today. And as good as he is today, he's going to be tomorrow. And if he did something in the past, if there was a part of his character, of something that was true, that was holy, it is still that way today. People say, oh, you know, the Bible needs to get updated. No, 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 no. God does not update. Okay? There is no God, you know, operating system Oreo 10.1. Like my phone has. I'm pretty sure that this is running on Oreo. I don't even know what that means. But God does not update. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He declared the end from the beginning. He does not update. His ways are the same. And here's the thing. Here's the key to identifying and overcoming these temptations, these, these, these tests, okay? Because remember what I said a couple weeks ago, something I had you all repeat? Trials are coming, right? This is a continuous process in which God is building faith, authentic faith in our hearts and lives. And it's a, it's a good thing. Remember, blessed are you when you endure temptation. Not blessed when you when you're tempted. Blessed are you when you endure because you're gaining that crown as you prove yourself faithful and true. Right? God is building a reward and inheritance for us. But this is the thing. I have learned this this verse this verse has been so pivotal for my life. So pivotal because I get I get excited about nothing. Right? I get all excited and worked up and I start creating this and that and getting this idea and this, this thing. And like, you know, I've, there's been a couple times where I came, hey, Pastor Mark, like some church in California called me to be the pastor, maybe. And he's like, what? Oh, hey, Pastor Mark, I'm gonna go join the military. He's like, what? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> several times this has happened and he's like, oh, okay, you know how, did, Darren, why don't we just pray about this and we'll just, we'll just see what happens. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess that's a, that's a good idea. We'll, just, we'll do that. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, at the end of the day, you only really know what God's will is when it comes to past, right? So, but my point is, is I've, I have in, in the past been so easy to get distracted. Satan didn't have to, to work too hard to shine up the lure for me. If it looked good, it sounded good, it, good you know, it was exciting, you know, I would, off I went. And most of those things, 99% of those things that I wasted my time, my effort, my excitement on ended up fruitless. Some of those things hurt me. It cost me money. It cost me this. It cost me this. 
you know? I neglected time over here because I was worried about something that probably was never going to happen. And I had to learn when I, when I really grasped this verse that, hey, this opportunity that's before me, this blessing that's before me, if this is really good, if this is really God, he's going to give it to me. And if I have to, to try to create it, if I have to chase after it, if I have to be stressed about it, if I have to worry for it, if I'm anxious, if I have to scheme and plot, it's not God. It's me. Because if it was good and perfect, it comes down from the Father of lights. There have been several times, and I, this is still just my, this is what I do today, because the Lord has, has given me this wisdom that when something comes up, I just say, okay, Lord, well, I'm just going to pray. And I'm not going to advance towards this at all. I'm not even going to speak to this person about it. And if you really want this to happen, you'll bring it up to me. You'll make it clear. And sure enough, one of two things happens. It either fades away and I forget about it and we go on with life, or suddenly they come knocking on my door. A couple days ago, um, I, had a, I felt like the Lord spoke to me very clearly about a brother who lives out of town and had some concerns and I decided not to text them and tell them at that moment. I said, okay, Lord, if this is really you, I just want to pray. I just want to make sure I'm not in the midst of this. And Lord, if you really want me to speak this to this person, you'll give the time and the opportunity and the clarity. And two days later, this person tagged me in a post. And in this post, it was a video, I saw everything that the Lord had showed me there was a concern for. And I said, okay, Lord. And I texted this person. All I said is, hey, man, I just believe the Lord gave me something to share with you. I just want to... I just, want to have a time to, to tell you what the Lord said. And instantly, well, you know, we're just not going to agree on everything and this, and I'm doing this for this reason and this for this. And I'm like, I didn't even tell you what I was going to say yet. And you're, you're already disagreeing with me. What are you talking about? Like, why? So there was a guilty conscience, okay? My point is, is there is this test. Lord, if this is really you, I don't have to worry about it. It's not, oh, the, the Lord said to do this, so now I'm going to go make it happen. You know, who, you know somebody that did that in the scriptures? Abraham. Oh, I'm going to give you a son. Oh, well, this beautiful handmaiden, this would probably be a good avenue for that son. That did not work out real well for Abraham. Ishmael was not the lineage he wanted. And by the way, God did not speak to him for another 13 years. Also, not the type of relationship with God that I want. If something is truly good and from God, he will bring it to pass. Satan cannot stop God from blessing you. He can't. He can no more stop God's hand from blessing you than a legless ant could stop me from stomping on him. I'm serious. God cannot, I mean, uh, Satan cannot withhold something that God wants to give you. And so if there's a fear or anxiety, if, if I don't get this now, I'll never have it. It'll slip through my fingers. That is not from the Lord. That is not from the Lord. That is your flesh being tempted and tried to see, do you really love that so much you're willing to sacrifice your relationship and faithfulness to God to wait on him? Who is it really that you love? And finally, in closing, the last verse, because look, guys, it was of God's own will that he brought you forth by the word of truth. You did not bring you forth. You did not grant yourself salvation. God spoke the word of truth into your life and brought you forth 
that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creation. James is trying to tell us you can trust God. You can trust him. He brought you to this point. Polycarp, 83 years, or 80, 83, I think it was. 83 years I have served the Lord and he has done me no wrong. He has done me no wrong. That was his testimony. And he died for that testimony. It must have been true. You can trust the Lord. It is a good thing to wait on God. So, guy, these temptations, these desires, they're going to come. You're going to feel your flesh. Anytime something's pulling at your heart away from the direction you know you need to be going, that's an enticement. That's a delusion. Do not be deluded. Do not be deceived, brethren. God will give you what you need if you wait on him. And if you endure those trials, if you're faithful, blessed are you because God is saving up for you a crown of life that he has promised all those who love him. Guys, let's pray and let's ask God to give us a pure heart so we can see him and that we can endure these false trials. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord. I thank you for the wisdom in your word. Lord, that you don't leave us out and alone, but Father, you show us the enemy's tactics beforehand. I thank you that you've granted us understanding, Father, to see into what's happening spiritually, that we can be protected. Lord, you care for us. You've called yourself our Father, Lord, and you take that, that role in our life to protect us, to guide us, to nurture us, Father. I pray that we would just be willing to submit to your loving hand, Jesus, and to trust that anything that we need, Lord, you see our heart. You see every intention, every motive, every desire. And whatever is good and whatever will be fruitful, whatever will be best for us, you will grant to those who love you. So Lord, purify our hearts and teach us to wait patiently on you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.